please pray with me. Father God, we are lost without you. And we need you this morning, Lord, to as we come to your preaching of your word, we need your spirit to come and apply your word to our hearts. The pastor doesn't make preaching what it is. Your spirit does. The pastor is just a, a vessel, a broken vessel that you have chosen to use to bring glory to your magnificent name. And I pray that that would take place today. That your word and your spirit would work hand in hand in my heart and the hearts of everyone here. That we may leave here encouraged, built up in our faith and our walk with you. Empowered to go back out into the world and to engage and to live as your people and to fight as your people. Oh spirit, strengthen us by the power of God's word. Christ in my prayer. Amen. Well, I hope you guys didn't uh, set your clocks back last night. If you didn't, then you came to church early. Um, Author and poet Robert Louis Stevenson says, once said that everybody, everybody, sooner or later, sits down to a banquet of consequences. Let me read that again. Everybody, sooner or later, sits down to a banquet of consequences. Let it rest on your mind for a moment. Not just some people, not just rich people, poor people, white people, black people, but everybody, sooner or later in their life, will sit down to a banquet of consequences. Do you agree? Yes, we should. In this life, we all daily make choices and decisions. We all do. It's, it's, it's unescapable reality. You can't live life without making decisions or choices. Even if you decide not to make a decision, there's a decision. And there's a consequence for that. So you can't get away from it. Sooner or later, we all sit down to consequences that stem from the choices and decisions that we make in our lives. And my question to you this morning is that when you sit down at that banquet table... Do you sit down in honor, or is it more like a personal roast gone bad? Because all your bad decisions and choices have come back to remind you just how bad they really were. Is it a good banquet, or is it a personal roast gone bad? All of us here this morning, myself included, included, are living with the consequences of some choices that we have made in life. Some of, those cho- good, some of those consequences are good, and some of them are not. Reverend Homer McCall of St. John's Baptist, St. John's and AME Church once said, Life is about choices, so choose wisely. Life is about choices, so choose wisely. Oh, how I wish Adam and Eve would have chosen wisely. Don't you? Last week we talked about the inception of rebellion by our first parents. We saw that they were at a crossroads. They had a great dilemma. They had a decision to make. Either to trust and obey the Lord God 
are either to distrust him and disobey him. As we all know the story, they chose the latter, which was the beginning of rebellion. And now, after the rebellion, something else comes. The inception of consequences. The inception of consequences that resulted out of their rebellion against the Lord God. Look with me at Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now keep in mind here that for the past few weeks now, we've been looking at Genesis 1, 2, and 3 from the viewpoint of, from the viewpoint of inception. Genesis 1 and 2 was the inception of creation, the inception of provision. Genesis 3, 1 through 5, was the inception to question God's word, the inception to question God's provision over your life. Last week, Genesis 3, 6, the inception of rebellion. And now in Genesis 3, 7, Adam and Eve now sat down at the banquet of consequences. And these are not good consequences. And the first consequence we see for Adam and Eve is the loss of innocence. That was the first consequence for the disobedience, the loss of innocence. Verse 7 says, Then their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now you can read that and think, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> it's not that bad, is it? I mean, what's wrong with seeing your own nakedness and putting clothes on? I mean, none of us are going to walk, walk around Huntsville naked, are we? I hope not. I mean, what's wrong with that? What's the big deal, God? Don't they have the right to make that decision? They're independent. They can put clothes on if they want to. Stop holding me back. They have the freedom to do that, right? So we have to keep in mind that What's going on here is, is more than just two people covering themselves. It's more than just that. Keep in mind, this was a consequence of rebellion against the Lord God. Then their eyes were opened. This was the one thing the enemy promised would happen to them. What did he tell Eve? As soon as you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be open. right? The promise came true. Their eyes are open. But what does that mean? What were their eyes open to? I mean, were they blind before that? No, of course not. Their eyesight was fully functional. The opening of their eyes here is not talking about physical sight, but something else is in mind. You see, before Genesis 3.6, Adam and Eve were innocent, meaning they had never experienced pain. Think about that. They never experienced pain. They never experienced disappointment. They never experienced suffering. They never experienced shame or guilt. None of those things were part of God's creation. Our first parent were, parents were innocent to the things that are quite common to you and I today. They were blind to them. Think about that. The ignorance of that kind of innocence, the blessedness of it, 
We wish and long for that type of ignorance now, don't we? Because on this side of Eden, we can't even comprehend a life that's completely innocent of these things. We can't comprehend a life that way, that's free from headaches, that's free from disappointments, that's free from suffering, that's free from shame, that's free from guilt. I mean, we don't even have a category for that. I mean, what does that mean? What does that look like? For our first parents, they knew what it looked like. They lived it. They had it. They had it all. And another thing is that we can't hide from those things either. Can we? Can you hide from shame and guilt and disappointments, headaches? Can you hide from it? Can you eliminate it from your life? Can you structure your life in such a way that, you know what, I'm not ever going to have a headache. I'm not ever going to be disappointed. Can we? No. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how many titles you have in front of your name. You ain't ever going to eliminate those things from your life. Ever. Not on this side of heaven. In um, 2004, a movie came out called The Village. You know, Village, Village Church. It was released. And it's a strange movie. <laughs> the movie's about a group of people who, they got tired of living in a wicked place. They got tired of living in the world. They got tired of seeing pain. They got tired of seeing sin. They got tired of seeing wickedness. So what they decided to do, they were going to take their families, these group of people, and they were going to relocate themselves to a secluded area in the middle of a wildlife preserve. So they're going to pick up, leave society, and go create their own little town, their own little group of people, their own little culture. And what they did, they created this village a 19th century village. And the founding elders of this village, that, that they sought to completely cut themselves off from the world. They considered the world to be a wicked place where wicked people live. Their goal was to create a community that was free from such influences. You know, they failed. They didn't do that. You see, later in the movie, one of the residents of the movie heinously attacks another resident out of jealous anger. He attacks him, wounds him badly. And so what they tried to escape from was already in the village. They didn't have to go to the towns to see wickedness. Wickedness was already in the camp because they were in the camp. And you can't escape the consequences of the fall, nor can you ever, ever duplicate life in Eden. Understand that. You cannot duplicate life in Eden. I don't care if you go to the city on the hill, surround your city with a, with a brick wall, and say you can't get in, world. You still got a problem because you're inside the city. Because you're just as wicked, too. You're just as messed up, too. So there's no way to escape life in a fallen world. It can never escape. And so we desperately long for Eden. That's what these folks in this village wanted. They wanted Eden. They wanted a, a place where it was free from those things. And so they tried to recreate it. But they failed. Adam and Eve, they, before the fall, they, they didn't have to create that type of life. You know, they didn't have to hide from pain. 
isolate themselves from pain. They didn't have a category for that. All they knew was pleasure. All they knew was innocence. All they knew was joy. For them, it, it wasn't a reaching after the stars to try to find true peace. They had it. Total satisfaction, total joy, total bliss. It was paradise, man. But paradise was lost with just one bite. One bite messed everything up. And it doesn't matter if it was a little bite, a little taste, or a bit bite. (laughs) Rebellion was rebellion. And now they're dealing with the consequences of that. Their eyes were open, and they saw something. They knew something. The verse says they knew that they were naked. Their eyes were open to the realization that they were naked. And they didn't gain any secret knowledge or wisdom from eating the fruits like they thought they were going to get. Oh, the fruit's going to make me wise. But what did it do to them? They only saw their own nakedness. This is interesting. You know why? Because in Genesis 2, after the Lord God created Eve and her and Adam, Adam became husband and wife, verse 25 says, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, meaning they felt no shame. Remember that innocence was still intact there. They were still innocent. They were naked before one another but were not ashamed. That was their normal condition. But what they did, they took the innocence to the pawn shop and pawned it for shame and guilt. They exchanged innocence for shame. They pawned it at the pawn shop for shame. Here's my innocence, and now give me shame and guilt. That's what they got. That's what they did. Gave it all up. And for what? Just so they can see that they were naked. They were going to gain the knowledge of good and evil. They were going to have this intellectual and hidden knowledge. It wasn't just going to be knowledge of good and evil. They were going to know good and evil through personal experience. They were going to know something they had never known before. They were going to know what it meant to hurt. They're going to know what it meant to feel pain, to be broken, to be disappointed, to be betrayed, to lose a son, which they did lose later. To have siblings, one sibling kill another sibling. They were going to experience All that stuff because they were disobedient and ate of the forbidden fruit. Innocence left the building. Bliss, gone, eating, no more. And sin has entered the room, ladies and gentlemen. And now we live with the consequences of it in 2010. You know why there's murder, sickness, death, pain, hardships in life? The fall, Genesis 3. You don't have to listen to Oprah and Phil Jackson to figure that out. You don't have to go to the self-help section to go read philosophy. You want to know why the world is in the condition that it's in. Genesis 3, 6 tells you. Sin entered the world, and when sin entered the world, everything messed up. Everything's messed up. God's creation turned upside down. The bank of the consequences is what we see. 
from the act of our first parents. What does it reveal about you? What does it reveal about me? Keep in mind here that our first parents, when they fell, it messed everything up for their descendants. Meaning every, every human being now is born into a state of sin and misery, not into a state of blissed ignorance, of innocence. Each of us here see our own nakedness. Don't you? Don't you know what it's like to, be, to feel shame, to feel guilt? Whoever feels incomplete, empty, unfulfilled, broken, dirty, abused, taken advantage of, abandoned, we all have. Have you ever been hurt, taken advantage of, lied to? All of us experience these things in our lives every day. My children and your children would experience them too. And ain't nothing we can do about it. I hate that. I hate knowing that my son and my little girl, they're going to hurt in life. They're going to suffer in life. They're going to make mistakes in life. And guess what? I can't shelter them from that. And it's going to happen eventually. That's the consequence of living in a broken and fallen world. In a fallen world, fallen things happen to fallen and broken people. And that's the gospel truth. You can't hide from it. You can't shelter yourself from it. You can either accept this or you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to isolate yourself from it or trying to duplicate life in Eden, which you cannot do here. You can't have enough degrees. You can't have enough money. You can't have enough houses to make life like it was in Eden. It ain't going to happen. Life is going to be broken. Life is filled with hardships because of the fall. Now, when you experience hurt and pain, shame or guilt, what do you do? What do you do with that? What's your reaction? Our reaction is the same as Adam and Eve. See, their first in, what was their first instinct after they realized they were naked? The verse says, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. There was the instant reaction when they realized they were naked. The purpose for those fig leaves was to cover up their shame, to cover up that guilt. As I said last week, it, as I said last week, it's amazing to see the turn of events for Adam and Eve, who went from being the height of God's creation, created in God's image. The only thing in all of creation that was created in the image of God was man and woman. And look at them now. Bottom feeders is what they have become in a sense. They have changed their innocence to become a bottom feeder, where now instead of exercising dominion over creation, they subject themselves to creation. Now creation is going to cover me, it's going to hide my shame, it's going to hide my guilt. It's amazing to see that. They're attempting to cover up and hide. How about you in your life? Do you use God's creation the same as Adam and Eve, your fig leaf, to cover your shame? your guilt, your disappointment, to hide? Do you? You see, they cover that, they, they cover their nakedness because they couldn't bear the sight of it, I believe. They couldn't bear the sight of it. Life as they knew it was completely over. Gone. 
No second chances. God can't get a do-over. I, I, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Give me a do-over, God. Let's go back and repeat that whole scene. This time, Adam would say, I'll step up this time, God. I'm not going to step back and be silent this time, God. I'm going to step up to the plate this time. Just give me a do-over. Are there do-overs for Adam and Eve here? No. Spurgeon says, The nakedness of their bodies, bodies, which in innocence administered no occasion for shame, now caused them to feel the need they had a covering. Not just for their bodies, bodies only, but much more for their souls. So they felt the need to be covered. They felt it. And they tried to do it. They made coverings from themselves. And you know, another thing that's interesting in, in this verse is that in Genesis 1 and 2, the only person who ever created anything was God. What do you have here in Genesis 7? What do you have Adam and Eve doing here? It says they made for themselves coverings. What does that show you about our first parents? They have, they're acting independently of their creator. They have now become their own providers. I'm going to cover myself. I want something I made with my own hands. They instantly made a fig leaf to hide the shame and guilt. They are now experiencing for the first time something they never experienced before. And so they're trying to hide it. They knew they were in the wrong. You realize that, don't you? They knew they messed up. You see, when their eyes were open to realization of that, they, they, they felt the shame. They knew they had been disobedient to the Lord God. They felt that because they knew they lost their innocence. They knew it was gone because they disobeyed the Lord God. They realized they just gave up paradise just to gain shame and guilt. They gave up everything for it. And so the floodgates of shame and guilt that saturated them and their knee-jerk reaction was to create some type of covering, a man-made covering, not just to hide the shame and guilt, but they want to restore the covenant of innocence. They, were going to, they want to use that fig leaf for two purposes. To hide their shame and guilt, but also to recover the innocence that they lost. I can go back home again because this fig leaf covers my shame. Maybe I can get Eden back. Maybe I can now have life as it was in, in Eden because of this fig leaf. They tried to repair the damages that they inflicted upon themselves in creation. And we do the same. When you experience these things, what are your fig leaves that you run to? The fig leaves you have in your life right now that no one else knows about. The things you use to numb pain in your life, hurt in your life, shame in your life, guilt in your life. Could be, could be drugs, could be sex, could be relationships, could be stuff. It could be anything. It could be ministry. It could be stuff that's not even bad in themselves. What is it for you? And do you recognize why you have them? Do you recognize why you use those the fig leaves that you have? The same reason our first parents did. You wanted to cover up your shame and guilt, but you wanted to restore your innocence. You wanted to make you feel good about yourself. You wanted to boost your self-esteem. You want it to cover you so much that when you look in the mirror, all you see is innocence. You want it to give you Eden. You want it to eliminate all the pain and hurt and sin from your life. That's why you have the feelings you have. To make life easy. 
to make life like it was before the fall. You want them to duplicate Eden in your life in a fallen world, but they can't. They need enough fig leaves in the creation that can restore the damage of the fall. They won't work. Here's why. Let's say you go out to the store. When you leave here for church, you go to Walmart, Target. You go get you a new desk to put into your house. A new desk is nice. It's clean. You, it's all polished up. You put your computer on it. You have your pencil sharpener on it. You have some pictures on it. But give it some time. Give it some time. Your nice desk starts to get cluttered, right? Other things find their way on the desk. Loose paper, cups, um, McDonald's bags and loose files, Chick-fil-A boxes, KFC boxes are there, bills, tater chips, canned sodas, all this stuff is all over your desk. It's so cluttered now, you can't even see the top of the desk anymore. It's totally covered in junk. It's messy. And this is how you treat your soul. The same way. You cover it with stuff. So much stuff, you don't even know what you really need anymore. So many fig leaves. You have so many fig leaves of your soul, I have to peel you like an onion to get to the core of who you are. And the thing about fig leaves is what? They always die. And when they die, you always replace it with another leaf. Well, that's one more gone. Pick one more and stick it right there. Cover me again, fig leaf. Make me happy, fig leaf. Be my savior, fig leaf. Give me peace, fig leaf. They ain't ever going to give you peace. There's nothing in this creation that's man-made that's going to ever give you peace. Nothing can do it. Nothing can do it. Eden is gone. It's gone. And your fig leaves will never bring it back. Ever. You can't shelter yourself from the consequences of the fall. And... What we're going to eventually see is that we need a permanent solution to our messed up problem. We need a type of covering that completely takes away our shame and guilt. A fig leaf won't do it. We need a type of covering that will also restore innocence to us. Fig leaf cannot do that. And we're going to eventually see that in, in Genesis 3, not only do we see the inception of rebellion and consequences, we're also going to see the inception of the gospel promise. That what man messed up, God was going to fix up with a permanent solution. A covering that completely covers you and restores you. And in a sense, restores your innocence before God. That when God sees you in that covering, he sees innocence. Not shame and not guilt. And you all know who that is. We're just not getting to that yet. You know who that is. And some of you are standing in that covering right now. And then when the Father sees you, he doesn't see a loss of innocence. He sees innocence restored because of what he did for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Yes, Father, loss of innocence happened in the garden. But innocence was restored on Calvary because we are clothed in his righteousness, Christ's righteousness that he has given to us. He takes our shame, our guilt, our sin, and bear it upon himself. He gives us his blood to cover us, his righteousness to cover us. That you brought a permanent solution to what our first parents messed up. And so we praise you that you are faithful. 
You made a way, Lord, when you didn't have to. You could have left us in this state, but Lord, you provided a redeemer, a savior who is going to rescue us. Talk about love stories. You talk about the greatest love story ever told. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. You rescue the people who self-inflicted the pains upon themselves. And you suffered the death. They say, oh, we all die. But you gave us life. You give us joy. You restore to us, in a sense, stains that we lost in Eden. You restore us to yourself through a Savior. Christ in my prayer. Amen.